we all know it's coming and it's not gonna be pretty. It's great to have storable food, but when that runs out, what are you gonna do? Your best defense against the coming apocalypse is to have seeds so you can grow your own food. So I've been looking for various different seeds for the last couple of years. And off the bat, almost all seed companies are the same, as long as they're non-GMO, heirloom, yada, yada. But it's the following years that really concern me. So I bought a whole bunch of seeds last year. And when you get seeds, there's, there's a lot of seeds in a pack, a whole lot. You're probably not gonna use them all if you have a small garden. So you wanna make sure they last again the following year. So the best company I found for these seeds is called Survival Essentials. And when you go on their webpage, it says, your best defense against the coming apocalypse. So go to survival-essentials.com, save 10% with promo code DEFIANT, and get ready because we're gonna need to eat. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't trust the food in the grocery store anymore. I don't trust it unless I can plant the seed with my own hands and watch it grow with my own eyes and know where it's coming from and feed it to my family. So survival-essentials.com, promo code DEFIANT saves you 10%. and justice for all.
It's time to resist. They can't arrest us all. And they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply, refuse to show vaccine passports, refuse to wear a mask, refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden. And we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. This ends now. understand. A figure walking through the mist with a rifle in his hand. His clothes were torn and dirty as he stood there by the bed. He took off his three-cornered hat and speaking low, he said, We fought a revolution to secure your liberty. We wrote the Constitution as a shield from tyranny. For future generations, this legacy we gave to make you the land of the free and home of the brave. The freedoms we secured for you, we thought you'd always keep. But tyrants labor endlessly. While your parents were asleep, now your freedom's gone. Your courage is lost. You're no more than a slave in your land of the free and home of the brave. You buy permits to travel, permits to own a gun, permits to start a business or build a place for one. On land you think you own, you pay your yearly rent. But you don't have a voice in saying how that money's spent. Now your children attend a school that doesn't educate, and your Christian values can't be taught according to the state. You read about your current news in a regulated press and pay more taxes than you owe to that thing called IRS. Your money's no longer made of silver or of gold. You trade your wealth for paper so your life can be controlled. And you pay for crimes that make your nation turn from God in shame. Now you've taken Satan's number and traded in your name. You give your government control to those who could do you harm. So they could padlock churches and steal the family farm and keep the nation deep in debt while putting men of faith in jail and then harass your fellow countrymen while your corrupt courts prevail. Your public servants don't uphold the solemn oath they've sworn. And now your daughters visit doctors so their children won't be born. You send guns and artillery to foreign shore. And then you send your youth to slaughter, fighting other people's wars. Could you regain the freedoms for which we fought and died? Or have you lost your courage and your faith to stand with pride? Are there no more values for which you fight to save? Or do you wish your children to live in fear and be a slave? And people of this republic, it's time to rise and take a stand. Defend the Constitution, the supreme law of your land. 
preserve your great republic and every God-given right. And let us pray to God to keep that torch of freedom burning bright. Episode of Freedom Gardens. I am V Lynn. This is Heather. Hey guys, I'm back. What is this? Two weeks in a row? Three weeks in a row? Something like that. Yeah, loving it. No, you weren't here last week because it poured. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was nasty last week. Nasty, nasty. So we didn't get to do a garden update last week because it was so nasty. So um, because I tried to do a video in the rain first thing in the morning Mm. and it didn't work. It was pouring. I mean, I got like a quick video in and then I was like, nope, fuck it. It's 
it's raining. It's pouring. I'm done. So, you know, that. That, that was how that happened. But it's been beautiful all week. And uh, the rain helped everything grow. So we're going to get into that. And then we're going to do, uh, we're going to learn about mushrooms. Not the, not the kind that Mick takes, not the psychedelic kind. Um, and not the clip it from the, the little uh, animated Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, the first part of it there, um, which was animated by AI, which I'm very much on the fence about. But AI, AI scares me. Alice scares and me. As it, as it should. Yes, it should. It she's she's going to fuck the world, basically. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, but that's okay. While Alice is fucking the world, we are growing shit. Right. So uh, I, we had a very busy week. I um, we we made some more planter beds. Yes. Because uh, Heather did come over on Friday. You weren't you weren't here on Saturday, but you were here on Friday last week. Right. Yeah. Oh, um, I built planter. No. Wasn't it for? Yeah. I have no idea. When did I come over? Yeah. I was having a really super shitty day. Oh no, maybe that was something. That was this Wednesday. Week. Wednesday. Wednesday. That's right. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we built planter beds on Wednesday, and I've been filling them and planting them and staining them, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, the gardens are going like crazy. Uh, I did a little, um, I did a little test. I told y'all I wasn't going to harvest anything all week cause I wanted to see how big it would grow. And, you know, I'd been picking green beans, especially as they, they come up. Cause I'm like, the more you pick them, the more they grow. Right. And they don't last that long in the heat. Like they'll start to die back here. Kind of expected them to already. No, 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 not with electroculture. So let me just show you guys this real quick. So impressive. Okay. This. This is a standard green bean, right? Grew it on a, you know, without electroculture in a pallet, right? So, I mean, it's a good size green bean. It's the size of my hand, right? It's a nice size green bean, okay? This is an electroculture green bean. No shit, y'all. It's it's twice twice the size. Hard to see with the green screen. Twice the freaking size. In both directions. Look at that. It is longer than my entire hand and it's also bigger around than those other ones like, yeah i was telling you like the it's like the plump in there yeah are yeah. so much thicker than yeah oh yeah guy. it's insane they are these things are huge huge wait till you see my reaction when i picked the first one because yeah. i was filming it it was hysterical so or when i found the first one oh my god anyway so uh how you been how you doing i'm good yeah yeah update on the farm we were supposed to have a board meeting today but i left her shit at home so I we did. didn't do that so um, I got up pretty early and yeah. that just, you know, just didn't happen. It's okay. Um, no, we have, I don't really have very much of an update this week. I'm still just kind of in limbo. I did check the IRS website cause I said, you know, to check on there to see, I want to check to see if they changed the date. Cause when I submitted the application on May 18th, it said all applications received before May 8th mm-hmm. were assigned to a specialist. Well, it stayed that way this whole time. <laughs> Until yesterday. It okay. says all applications received after May 24th have now been assigned to a specialist. And if they need any additional information, they'll reach out. And it normally takes two to four weeks. Okay. So, so I, fingers crossed yep. that that all goes well. And we'll be a 501c3 here in what, yep. a couple of weeks would be would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but that's really all I got right now. Any any luck on the land search? Any, oh, any you good know, properties? I know I've, you're constantly looking. I'm looking all the time. Today, I actually decided to... Um, just, you know, touch back to one of the places that I wanted to move to because it doesn't have state taxes. I don't know why that really bothers me so much, but it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, mainly because I haven't gotten my state tax return. That is literally the only return I'm waiting on. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I was looking at Tennessee and I actually found some really, really nice size land. We're talking 100 
to 250 acres for with, you know, like a, a modest house on it, maybe a barn or two. Yep. For anywhere from 250 to 450. It's not bad. That's nothing. No shit. There was one that I found that was 299 and I and I fucking smacked the shit out of Taylor this morning. I'm like, look at this shit. Ow. Sorry. I was like, this is 40, <laughs> this is only forty thousand dollars more than what we paid for this fucking house. I was like, this is bullshit. And we should have been doing this way before. No shit. Um, but and that's what I was thinking because I know you like me, like we bought we bought houses when houses were so expensive. Yes. I mean, it I was mean, the great. interest rates were it was cheap great. as fuck. Exactly. But the but, houses were but expensive houses as hell. Like, but that was how we how most people could afford it but because that's... the interest rates were lower. Now the housing prices are me. Yeah. And the interest rates are like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, and nobody can afford it. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, I was looking at that and I was like, you know what? I said, between what we spent and what fucking Vanessa and Ryan spent, we could have had a kick-ass piece of land. So that is, that is still the plan. Like I'm, like I said, I still look in South Carolina and I still look in North Carolina because I love it there. And I'm always looking over in Georgia, but I think it just really depends on whether or not we can maybe get some agricultural land uh, donated from the USDA or yep. whatever. It just depends on how much money we end up raising and then we'll just have to look and see where we can go. But I have been looking into like USDA just loans, you know, yeah. farm loans because they offer what they call guarantee loans, not guaranteed that you're going to be approved, but guaranteeing the lender that they they'll the problem with guaranteeing the... it. I don't want, but it's just like, it's just like a regular USDA. It's from the agricultural department of South Carolina or whichever state. Mm -hmm. So, but you, but you can get USDA home loans, literally anywhere that is considered rural because USDA home loans are like FHA or like VA, but you don't have to pay. There's no down payment. It's hundred percent financing, which is kind of nice. That's yeah. like one of the main reasons why I was looking at it. And even still, if that was something that we ended up doing, cause I know how adamant I am about not wanting to have the government. Exactly. But, that but was going to be my point, they, but they can't tell you what you can do in your house. They're not going to, it's a home loan. It's a fucking mortgage company. They're not going to tell me what I can and can't do. And if they do, I'm going to fucking refinance someplace else. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, I think your mortgage company doesn't come in here and say that you can't have X, Y, and Z. And it's literally a mortgage company. So they can't really have that much say. I mean, can they? Because that surprised. would be bullshit. Because it's all bullshit. I know it's all bullshit. I mean, you'd be surprised. That's why I refuse to register this is a farm or oh, register my garden with the USDA or anything like that. Oh, I don't I care know. about saving the taxes because oh, I don't care about saving the taxes. My thing is just like USDA land. There's an abundance of it right now. There's yeah. like a, there's like 93 acres available in South Carolina. I think there's, there's just 93 acres available in South Carolina, right above Charleston, but mm -hmm. there's like 55 acres available in Beaufort County. There's, in, which is what I live in Beaufort County. Yeah. So, um, and then there's a bunch because I've been, you know me, I check everywhere. Yeah. And they luckily they have like the state for the whole the map for the whole country, and you're able to see how much land is available mm -hmm. up for grabs or donation from the USDA and the agricultural uh department. There you can see the whole United States, like who has what. Right now we're doing okay. Like our areas are doing like we have some land available, not doing okay as in obviously the economy happened and somebody didn't pay for couldn't pay for their shit. But yeah. And the and if we're wanting to stay in this climate, we actually it does look like we, we're gonna have some good options. Okay. Yeah. And I definitely want to stay in this climate because holy shit, things grow amazing. Yes. So all right. Well good. Let's get into that. Um, 
Let me get these set up here. So what are you knitting there? I am finishing up the final baby blanket for the for Taylor's friend that's pregnant with twin girls. Let's just pray for her now. I don't like no shit. I would I you know what? The universe knew that I should not have a girl. I can't do it. When DJ was a teenager, I'd be like, all the kids would come over. I seen one chick in the house. I was like, who invited the girl? Why (laughs) is she here? Like she has to go. Yeah. Okay. Because they're normally just little bitches. I mean, they are little bitches. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's start with these awesome planter boxes. So Heather found these free pallets. They're brick pallets. Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. Brick pallets and tile pallets. Um, They're half size and they're super heavy, like super strong wood uh, to the point where I had to pre-drill some holes when we were putting mm-hmm. them together because the, I mean, I, I just couldn't do it with a regular, just going straight in with a screw. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, never seen pallets like this. They're crazy. So it's freaking heavy too. Yeah. They're super heavy. So anyway, so, so we built some awesome planter boxes out of it. So here we go. All right. I'm working on my new planter beds today. So I stained them. I used unicorn spit. If you're not familiar with unicorn spit, I'll do another video on it in the future. It's a very cool product though. And I put cardboard on the bottom. Well, I put landscape fabric along the inside. I put cardboard on the bottom. And now I'm putting some lawn stuff, wood and whatever biomaterial I can find in here. And uh, to fill it about halfway up and then put compost on top. So here we go. All right. So my bed is halfway filled up with organic matter, mostly leaf mulch, some logs and stuff underneath, some uh, millet that I cut down from the backyard. And now I'm going to put the compost in. First, I'm going to water it, let it get down as much as possible before I put compost in. But it's pretty awesome. Got the first level of compost in on top of all the organic material, and I watered it. And I'm letting it all drain down before I put the next level of compost on. So we're getting there, slowly but surely. And I actually ended up putting a whole nother layer of organic material on top of this before I put more compost in um, because the water like weighed it down so much and you know all the compost mm-hmm. went in and uh yeah that that didn't work so much so mm. anyway all right so then well building these planter boxes with you i was so excited when i went home because i was like i have a whole new plan for those pallets because yes. i was already planning to do a raised garden bed like we talked about yeah in my little whatever that little alcove by the laundry room and I was like, when I came home, I was like, I got a whole new plan, Taylor. And he's like, oh, great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> like, wonderful. I didn't know what the last plan was. And I took him outside and I was showing him. I was like, this is what we do. And like, these are the pictures. I'm showing him the pictures of the flower boxes that we made. And he's like, okay. He's just, you know, he just lets me have my. Do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, okay. whatever. All right. So then. So. I put another layer of organic material over the first layer of compost and then another layer of compost on top. And now I'm planting tomatoes. So in case you don't know, 
all these little hairs on the tomatoes can be roots. And the stronger the roots, the stronger the tomatoes. So I cut little holes here and I'm going to plant tomatoes all the way down. So this guy is gonna have an insane root system because look how strong that stem is. Plant your tomatoes sideways. Very cool trick. So I put another layer of organic. All right. So I got my tomatoes laid out inside sideways. And I just gotta put a layer of compost over them. We're good to go. So let's see. Um and I, there's actually a little trick to getting the bigger tomatoes in, right? Um, hold on. Because uh, what ended up happening here is I had to cut the holes bigger in order to get either the roots through at the top or the tomatoes or the through at the bottom, yeah. right? So what I did is I took a, uh, a toilet paper roll, actually a paper towel roll, mm -hmm. and I cut it down. And I slid it over the tomatoes and mm -hmm. slid that through the hole so that I didn't disrupt the leaves. That's that's a good idea. So anyway, good idea. then so my bed is full. Tomatoes are in. I had to put a little piece of tape next to each hole to cover it so the dirt wouldn't fall out. That's fine. And now it is time to plant sweet potatoes and strawberries. I got a little pissy about me using one of the laundry baskets. So I'm going to turn that back into a laundry basket and plant those sweet potatoes and strawberries in here. Sweet potatoes in the middle, strawberries around the outside. So that just, that came out so awesome. And then on to the next one. All right. So I got the first planter bed just about done and I'm starting on the second. So starting by stapling landscape fabric inside. And I'm just gonna go all the way around. All right, so I finished stapling the landscaping fabric around the inside of my bed. I'm just gonna go around and cut off the top because of course I don't want this falling over. I want it to look nice and neat. And I'm just gonna cut it the level of the top staple. Or thereabouts. So there's different types of landscaping fabric that you, you can use actually. Heather and I were talking about this when she came over and we built these. Um, so what I have here is is literally fabric. fabric. It's it's and very soft, pliable, corners, breathable. Posts is sometimes kind of a pain in the butt, but make it work. And then of course there's the weed weed block lands. They call it landscaping fabric, but it's 
really is plastic. It really is because that's what I picked up to put on the bottom of some of my uh, palette planners. Yeah. And I think for my definitely for my planner boxes, I'm going to use the fabric. I do like the idea of the weed block because there are, you know, yeah, quite a few weeds. I don't have grass. We just cut the weeds and it looks like grass. <laughs> See, I mean, weeds can have their uses too, though, because they really, they'll aerate the soil and, um, you know, you just got to be careful that they don't choke out the plants. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So. me up that I can see your vape and your vape. Yeah, well, I walk around with my phone in one pocket and my vape in the other I pretty much all day. So. All right. And it's done. Tomorrow I can fill it with uh, cardboard and wood and organic material and then compost and we'll be planting. So we started filling up the second bed, cardboard on the bottom and then some wood sticks and now some leaf mulch and other organic material. And we're gonna keep going all the way up, pine straw and then compost on top before we plant it. All right, so I filled, well, mostly filled this bed with organic material and then pine straw on top. So leaf mulch and pine straw. I'm gonna water it down and see if I need to put some more pine straw on before I start with compost. Probably not, maybe one more load. I ended up, did I did one more load. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because once I watered it, again, it you know, shrunk. the pine straw, Really, I think I might have done two more loads. And I have so much pine straw out in the yard that I think I'm going to put it on the tops of the other beds because it helps keep the moisture, keep the moisture in. Mm -hmm. So, um, and there's so much pine straw. Mm -hmm. I mean, people pay a lot of money for that shit. I know. And I'm like, fuck, it's all over my yard. Right. Anyway, so um, then I have this big old trough, although it's leaking. Is it? Yeah. I'm not sure how, which means it could work as a planter in and of itself. I mean, it can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if it's leaking, water then there's drainage. Like we wanted it exactly. to be. So, but for now, I'm using it as a germination trough. So check this out. All right. We're going to make a, uh, a germination trough out of my trough here. Filled it with water. And now we're going to use what we have. I look so interested. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy blue down the corners. Oh, look at you. Because why not? You can say. It didn't work. I, I had to use that. 
clips that I actually got at the dollar store. I have clippies and I just use it to like hold up my plants, you know, like my tomato plants and stuff because they start to fall over. Get clips for it. All right, so I just taped down the sides, and uh, now I'm going to put sweet potato slips and strawberries and tomato cuttings in there. Just let them germinate, just let them root, and I can plant them in my new beds. Scissor. And it's just so easy. I mean, I just use literally stuff that I had laying around. <clears throat> you saw, you saw the... Now I got sweet potato slips rooting and strawberries. Right. And you saw, like I said, just stuff that's laying around. I mean, yeah. I built that gate for my greenhouse finally. Yep. It was just out of the scraps. I don't know why my brain just wasn't processing it at the time. but Because I had all these pieces of wood over from the... I'm doing the greenhouse itself, and I yeah. just tossed the side. And I was like, you know what? This is way lighter than having to. Because pallets are heavy, even all of the pallets that I have are heavy. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want it to be too heavy for the. See? For the hinges. So I was like, I'm just going to make it. Yep. That's it. Just cut little holes in the screen, put the stems through, let them root. It's so easy. I had no idea it was so easy to just, especially with like sweet potato slips. I always assumed that sweet potatoes grew like potatoes and they I don't. I did too. And they don't, not they even don't. close. No. no. Nope. So, um, yeah. They root from their, the leaves. All right. So then... We built some more beds because the first ones came out so awesome. All right, so we're building a new planter bed, a double-sized one. Um, probably won't fill it with compost yet. I'll just fill it with uh, organic material and pine straw and then put the pots inside it until I get enough compost. But for now, we're gonna lay it out and then we'll build it. And then... That reminds me. We might need to run to the store after this. Mm. I need to get some of those brackets that you got. Oh, yeah. I need mm -hmm. some more anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's unicorn spit, y'all. All right. So I told y'all I'd do a video for you about unicorn spit. Um, I'm not sponsored by them or anything. It's just an awesome product that Heather introduced me to that we've been using for years. It's really cool. It is a gel paint that can be reduced all the way down to a wood stain. 
you can mix it up to 80% with water. So cool. And mix all the different colors and whatnot. So today we're going to stain this new uh, wood bed that we built out of pallets uh, with unicorn spit. So I have a little jar. Okay. And I'm going to fill it halfway with water. It already has some stain in it from last week. It's okay. Again, all the colors mix up great. I'm going to do this one more green. Last week I did more blue. So, first things first, shake it up. And in case you guys want to see it, it is unicorn spit gel stain. Okay. So, I'm do a long squirt of that. Sparkly green. Then the regular green. I have an open one over here. Use up the ones that are open first. That one's almost done. This is actually my favorite color. This is like a blue-green. So, we'll put a little bit of that in there. Then, black. Just a touch of white. And black sparkle. It's even jasmine scented. Isn't that crazy? Actually smells good. Paint that smells good. lid on my jar shake it all up all right I have my stain but since I am staining I want to wet down this whole thing before I paint it. So, let's do that.
And today I am staining with a sock. Works great. Kids aren't gonna wear them anymore, whatever. Get that wet too. Just a little bit. Last one I did with a foam brush, but this one we're gonna do a sock. Ah, nice dark green stain. Put some on the stock. Rub it down the wood. love that you can hear Liana in the background as she's broadcasting from the porch. Like, not my porch. I have her on uh -huh. in the porch. Right. Right, on the porch. Oh, you can no. hear her in the yeah. background. It's hysterical. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So I got the outside stained. <clears throat> and I'm running low on stain here. So I have two options. I can start over again. I can wet the wood down again. Um, or I can just add some more water to this, which, or I can do all three. So, hey, my hand is green from the sock. I'm going to add some more water to this. Again, filling it halfway, maybe a little bit more, and then start adding stain to it again. We'll start it up again. Now this is going to change the color. It's gonna be a little different from where it was before. Because, you know, it wasn't exact in the proportions before. It's not going to be now. Light turquoise. Uh, 
shake it up again. And now I can either do a second layer of stain on it. I can do all the way around the inside, which I'm probably gonna do because a lot of this is just gonna be pots inside this. Um, but there's my unicorn spit stain. I love unicorn spit. I love that you introduced me to unicorn spit. Heather. I love that shit. Yeah, it's amazing. So, and it's really, you know what? You're right. They do all smell really good. Yeah. It is so nice. They even advertise it that way, which I think is great. Yeah. But also, and you know me, it's really cost effective. It really like, is. It really goes a long way. Like we had a really good time at the other house playing around with that shit. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I, I have so much of it. Um, and you can use it as a, a like as an acrylic pour. Everything from an acrylic pour. We've done um countertops. Yeah. You can do floors. I seen oh, I seen a unicorn spit galaxy garage floor. Man. I actually so awesome. when I when I redid the old house before we sold it, mm -hmm. I redid the bathroom countertop. Right. Um in our bathroom with unicorn the, spit. Is that the time you tried to kill me? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the time. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, yeah. I, that was because you sprayed the fucking clear coat in there. I almost yeah. Died. It was really bad. An unventilated like, Heather, bathroom with clear coat. Um, spraying spraying poly on. And um, she tried to kill me. inside. It was rough. Anyway. So yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Lucid. So that that's our that's my container garden. That's outside. Uh. Just between the pool house and the pool enclosure. So it is open outside. It's not in a greenhouse, but Heather did build a greenhouse. So sure uh, we'll, we'll do a video about that in a future day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, hey, Lindsay, welcome. Uh, and Dora. Um, so I've, I did check the compost. I didn't do a video about it and it was, it was pretty neutral. It was like, Six, five and a half, six, something like that, right? Um, of course, I did it after I planted everything. And uh, root vegetables need a more alkaline pH. Like, anyway, they need a, a higher alkaline content. So that's why I really didn't get very good radishes or beets. Um, okay. Because I have to plant them. I, next season, I'm going to plant them in bags. Like, I'm probably going to use those, some of those planter boxes or do another one. And then Absolutely. I have all these bags and pots and stuff. Uh, so I'll plant the root vegetables in there because then I can control the soil better. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You can. Yeah. So, uh, and it'll be nice and aerated. You know, carrots can can grow, stuff like that. Uh, that stain, how long will I need to, till I reapply it, Hillbilly? I, I won't. I won't. I if really she won't. seals it with tongue oil, it'll be fine. Yeah. I have a whole big thing of tongue oil. And you know, when I was, I have this awesome app on my phone, it's called picture this. Um, mm -hmm. It's for uh, plants, right? Yeah, I think I have it too. Right. So, and I like to take random things, you know, of around the neighborhood when I'm walking the dogs, mm -hmm. like things that interest me. There is a dude on the other side of the pond that has a tongue tree. Really? Yes. I'm going to get a, tongue, a get cutting from, from it. Uh, Arbor Day Foundation. I'll check into that. Maybe. Well, I can just get a cutting from it. and That's true too. You know, but I'm just and, saying like, I'll look into it. Like, and see if I can harvest his freaking tongue pods. Cause I was like, what is that? Yeah. And that's where you get tongue oil from. Right. I have no Absolutely. idea how to do that. We'll have we'll to learn how to do that, that too. Um, figure that out. But in the meantime, I do have a big thing of tongue oil that I'll just put over that and it'll be good to go. So, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so yeah, so that's, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I actually, I didn't even know tongue oil came from a plant. I thought it came from a pod. 
So I didn't too. I mean, uh, I said I, I can't find an animal. Rather. I wanted to just throw something in there hmm. for whoever was asking about the paint. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't read. Lucid. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, so I introduced her to unicorn spit, but if you are interested in something and you're willing to use paint, I love heirloom traditions, all in one paint. It's had, it's a primer paint and outdoor grade sealer all in one. I refinish furniture and shit with it. It works great. So, and you don't, and that's it. You just, I spray it. I don't paint it on and follow their directions because I don't have time for that shit. So I just spray it. And it works perfectly in my paint sprayer and it covers really well. And I didn't have to do any seal or tongue oil or anything afterwards. So you can check into that too. Cause that's what I'm going to use on my flower boxes. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's expensive as fuck though. I will say it is kind of expensive. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, all right. So let's start, let's get into the gardens here. The gardens are pretty amazing and I'm very excited. So, uh, what's that one? I don't know. All right. So I did a video on Wednesday because I kind of wanted you guys to see where everything was at. So here we go. Halfway through the week. All right. The East Garden. I pulled most everything out of here, except for that one last turnip. One of my most pressing things is to build a trellis in there as I'll be putting tomatoes in. And I'm really going to pile the soil up and plant as high as I can on the tomatoes. So... Some of these guys are little yet, so I'll have to mount around the tomatoes, but it is what it is. This kohlrabi is coming up nice. I'll plant tomatoes down this end as well. And then these beets, meh. But these carrots are doing beautifully. Swiss chard or spinach in here. Most of that I'll pull along with these beets here. They're kind of pointless right now. They're not doing anything. And I'll mount the soil up here around these tomatoes and get it as high as I can. Give it a good, good strong root system in there. Because these guys are starting to flower already. These tomatoes as well. These onions are doing all right, but I'm gonna pull all these green bunching onions here soon. And then round the soil up around those tomatoes too. This lovage will stay. It is a perennial and it takes a couple years to get really big. So that'll stay right in the middle there. And then these tomatoes. I'm also going to mound the soil up around them. Well, there's some basil growing in there. I gotta be careful of. Then, Ooh. nice cucumbers over here. starting slowly but surely squash and cucumbers 
These tomatoes will be ripening here very soon. And marigolds have bloomed. That broccoli is finally growing. I've got to harvest this borage here and make some more borage water for myself. It is my favorite to drink. Thai basil popping up on its own with the okra. More okra here. Now this isn't doing nearly as well as the okra that's over in the chicken compost in the other garden, but that's okay. These beans. Not getting much out of those at all. Really haven't. Oh, there's one bean in here. Okay. Maybe if I pick that one, it'll spur the others to start growing. Hmm. Anyhow, beets down here, cucumbers and squash and carrots all in the middle here and another thing of beans over there I can walk through here carefully just kind of the point uh, see another green bean in here handful of green beans. And let's see if maybe there's a couple more down here. Nope, these guys are little yet. Okay. Got some salad greens and herbs, parsley grown back up in there. And these grapes are really starting to twine up here. And I have just some tiny little cucumbers starting to grow on here. Let's see if I have any beans in here. Now the difference between the huh, regular beans and the beans on an electroculture steak is insane. I mean, that's crazy. They're just, it's like a different thing entirely. So I'll let those grow a little bit bigger. Although I don't really know that they'll get a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. Let's see. These guys are small yet. They didn't do real well either. There's a pea pod. This little guy is still 
doing something. That arrow can come out. Again with the grapes. through it. That tomato's doing better with that sunflower. And then the rutabaga. The potatoes are starting to die back. We'll have potatoes coming out of here in a couple weeks yet. The salad bed's going to get pulled here soon. And I had to stake up the corn after the rain it really got beat down but saw in here where one or two actual corn stalks were developing tomatoes are doing great in here and the squash is doing okay but ah see corn starting there pretty cool then my herb bed, those tomatoes will be ripening soon. This guy's got a ton of tomatoes on him. This basil's doing well in here. Asparagus, broccoli. Look at all those squashes. There's a ton of them in there. And this guy is giving me zucchini. See, they're green. So, salad beds. This guy's twining up here nicely. Just he's just supposed to. So that was on Wednesday. <clears throat> okay, let's see. And then the West Garden. We have bumblebees. Oh, bumblebees. I don't bumblebees. know where their hive is. I'm going to have to find it. Maybe I can follow them. But right now they're pollinating like cucumbers, so I'm pretty happy with that. The cucumbers are insane. Oh, wow. Big guy there. Some little ones there, some medium-sized ones there. There's our bumblebee again in another flower. More cucumbers there and another big one right there. Another one down there. Some of these guys might even be ready to pick on Saturday when we harvest next. We'll see. Ooh, another big one down there. Look at that. Pickles coming soon. Hello, Bumblebee. I can't wait to get bees. Right? Our bees next summer. All right. And then this is the beds outside. 
the new beds. I had a very productive day today. So, uh, let's see. I only have a couple of tomatoes, little ones left in here, that I'm actually going to move out into the front, into the tomato garden. But my coffee trees are doing well there. My lemon trees are doing awesome. My lemongrass, I've got to plant. More coffee trees here. And straight basil there. Some Swiss chard. I pulled a tomato out of the middle. And I pruned these tomatoes. These were like overgrown. And all of the energy was going to the leaves and not the fruit. So now you can see where it's fruiting. I pruned it deep. Took almost all the extra branches off. So more coffee trees here and here. That's obviously not coffee, that's dill. My potatoes. And then my sweet potatoes and my strawberries. I debated moving these into the new beds, but I think I'm gonna leave them there. These potatoes are almost ready to pull, as are those. Another coffee tree and my grapefruits. And then my cloning water trough. So you can see I'm already getting roots on here. Let's see if you can see them. Mm. There you go, see? See the root there? And I'm doing the same thing with tomatoes and then the strawberries are just sitting on the top in the water. This is all planted. I planted some basil in there too, and all the tomatoes. So we did this yesterday. And then this one I did today. So bigger sweet potatoes back there and some strawberries and a little bit of basil. And then the tomatoes in the front, some of the bigger ones. I took these old broken iron things and put them as kind of support. So I think I'm gonna put some landscape fabric or something over it. And then the same thing there. And what I'll probably do, see there's itty bitty tomatoes in here. And then that big, big guy there. When that tomato ripens and those other ones grow behind it, I will move the whole thing back. I can just dig a trench and move the whole thing back. I debated putting this tomato in there, but it's just too tall. So I put it up on there instead. So, looking very good. Tomorrow, I will stain this. I don't know what color I'll stain it. We'll figure it out as we go, but we'll stain it and start filling it. I'm not gonna put compost in this one yet. I'm just gonna put down the layer of wood, cardboard wood and uh, pine straw and then put the pots, set them on top. So that's it for now. Looking good. So this week has really been dedicated to my container garden as everything else has been growing out in the other gardens and I didn't wanna harvest and mess with it. Right, that's a good way to yeah. distract, distract yourself. Exactly. Next week, will I do the same thing? I'll potentially clean the house. We'll see. We have, uh, it's 
It's Aunt yeah. Margaret's 75th birthday party next weekend. So we have the entire family coming in. And you know, people are going to be showing up here. So I need to start cleaning this shit. Yeah. That's why you want me to come over this week. No, no. I, we're going to do the pool to, house too, though. Yeah, no, we're going to do the pool house too, because we're going to have a yard sale in like two weeks. Yes. Um, I thought it was 16th and the 17th. Yeah, the 16th and 17th. So that's like two weeks. I know. Yeah. Um, and I have so I'm much shit to go through. Yeah. Like we'll be selling Legos by the pound. <laughs> Seriously. Right. Legos by the those pound. things are evil. I they love Legos. Are. Don't get me wrong. I haven't used them in years. I love building shit. Like, yeah. Out, out of all kinds of shit. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. I love Legos. But man, I hated when DJ was fucking little man. It's terrible. Those things are the worst on your feet. Mm -hmm. Stepping on Legos is just got to I wonder if they would hurt the gators as much as they hurt us. I don't like if I could put like if I could put them like on line the, edge the, the edge of the pond with Legos and right? <laughs> keep the gators off. That'd be awesome. That'd be hilarious. All right. Um, and Dora, I when my butternut squash grows and ripens, I will do a video on how to make spicy butternut squash soup. Until then, yeah, no. Um, but it's it's like cream and white pepper and it's I make it's one too. So good. That mm -hmm. spicy butternut squash soup is so good. Um, do I have critters in the garden? No. Uh, I have high fencing that I made. Um, I had the original, what, three foot fence around yeah. the garden, right? Mm -hmm. And I had to extend it to keep the chickens out. So I took, you know, tall pieces of wood and uh, some closet or old uh, curtain rods and whatever and put it up around and then put um, like plastic bird netting around that to keep the chickens out. Um, sometimes, I mean, you know, we'll get birds in there or whatever, but really that's about it. Um, although the chickens really do keep the birds away because the chickens roam free all day long. I mean, they're out from nine in the morning until about five 30 in the afternoon. So, and they do not like the birds. Like there's a ton of birds in the yard. Sometimes they get in their enclosure and peanut butter, that bitch will, I mean, she has attacked those birds. I had to catch them after peanut butter almost killed them. Um, and, uh, and get them out. So anyway, so they're good at keeping the birds away. Uh, as far as like bugs and stuff, aphids and caterpillars and whatnot, I try and plant things that will confuse them. So uh, like where I had that basil, I used to have kale there. I pulled all the kale a couple of weeks ago, but that's right next to the herb bed and all those different scents from the different herbs keep the bugs away from the brassicas and it's close to the corn as well. Um, you know, and I have random herbs planted around so it keeps the bugs away from the plants. Uh, there's also something you can do. Um, you basically, they're like, they're called like sacrificial plants mm -hmm. where you plant something that you don't care if the bugs are going to eat it. You plant it first and then you plant your crop right behind it so that the bugs eat the first plant and not the second one. So, um, but there's, there's so many there. It's, it's just crazy. Uh, so many plants there. So, um, anyway, so that's, uh, I'm trying to get my child to piss around the gardens, but he's too lazy. He prefers to just piss outside his door. Oh, you're talking about <laughs> the little one. <laughs> I'm like, if you're going to piss outside, Dude, then I don't care. Do it around the freaking yard. I don't know. But if you're going to do it by your door, could you like close no, it off at the end of the week or something? Bro? Right. Like there's a bucket outside his door that he pisses in. No joke. I'm, I'm not. Boy, kidding. he is so stinky. It, exactly. It's and that keeps, so bad. that keeps the other, um, the, the other critters away. So it would be great if if it worked. 
anyway, um, if he would, you know, move closer to the, but then he could have gone that same distance and gone to the bathroom. So what is the point? In that? Exactly. I mean, I get his logic behind it. One lazy half person, the different distance like from one lazy person to another. I get it <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, so Mick actually Liam comes to me the other day and says, uh, Hey, there's a bird's nest in the pool house. And, uh, because we have a portable air conditioner in there and there's a hole for the hose. Well, the air conditioner has been turned off. That hole has been open and well, fuck the whole door has been open. Right. Um, and this bird has been going in and out and Mick's like, you need to get rid of that bird's nest before I do, because I'm going to be a lot more violent about it than you are. And I was like, shit. So I went bird nest hunting. Didn't take me long to find. The voice said that there is a bird's nest on top of the safe in the pool house. And yep, sure as shit there is. Not quite sure what I'm stepping on here. That was a bucket, and now it's a broken bucket. Let's move this. And... I'm not sure what's in there. It looks fuzzy, but I don't see it moving. Definitely the bird's nest though. Hmm. These baby birds are already dead. Look, I don't know why or how, but they're not moving. Yeah, it's a dead bird. All right. Okay, so when I took the nest out, the birds were alive. Three of them, actually. And now they're hopping around. So we got one out of the garage. Maybe one was the mom and two babies here. So here's one baby. Hi, baby bird. It was three mom and three babies, and I see. Uh, and the mama's around there too. The mama is with the two others. Come on, baby. Hi, guy. Let's see if we can herd this guy. Don't touch it, because. Come on. It's mama here. Come on. Come on. And it'll get through, I think. All right. I did get him out of there and I got the baby bird reunited with its mom and Good its job. siblings and out of my pool house. So um, we saved the baby birds. So Good for you. Yeah. So but they seriously looked completely dead. Like they were playing possum. They were totally playing possum. <laughs> I don't blame them, but right. I was like, oh, right. shit. And and I did not even pick up the bird's nest with my hands because I was afraid, you know. Oh, your scent, because you're exactly. afraid they still reject her babies. So um, I used a, a small, like a three clawed yard tool, mm -hmm. you know, um, and used that to pick up the bird's nest and put it out in the yard. And as soon as I did that, the birds like scattered and I was like, oh shit, they're oh. alive. Right. Oh, I think you called, you called me and told me about that. I probably did. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's, uh, you guys want to see how I spend my mornings? This is always fun. 
every morning I take the dogs for a walk. And I know you guys love the dogs. You're such a good dog mom. You know, if I don't take them for a walk, they destroy my house. Oh, well, I mean, there's that. <laughs> and I can't let them really out in the yard yard while the birds are out because like I have to keep the gate closed and keep them on the deck and in the house because Annie's fucking Houdini. And although she's been pretty she good really lately, she's, she's settled down so much since she went into heat last night. She really has. Oh my goodness. But she will still, if she can find a way out of the yard to go chicken chasing, she'll do it. I mean, fuck yeah. So anyway, so here's that. Here's a, just a little bit of walk with the dogs. I have Annie on a 25-foot lead, and I generally don't put Seamus on a leash until the end of our walk. Because you have to drag him home. Well, or he drags me off the seat, off my feet. They're just, they're so much fun. Let's see if I can get one of Seamus running. Seamus, they're over here. Oh, these are his best friends, right? So, um, they're side of the pond. Seamus. There are these three always outside. Seamus, they're over here, buddy. And there's this big guy. Seamus. I don't know. Some kind of pit bull, bulldog, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's your friends. And there they go. And here comes Seamus running. Where are you going, Sammy? He's so And then he goes, So that's what my morning walks are like with the dogs. Yeah. Seamus uh, no. is friends with almost all the dogs in the neighborhood. And there are certain dogs that he'll go to visit and like um, some that'll come out, you know, come out and play with him. Mm -hmm. Ray down the street will sometimes go on a walk with us because he can get out of his backyard um, oh, okay. by himself. So and then it, usually his owner doesn't even know. Like Ray just comes on a walk with us and then he goes home. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> he goes back in his yard. They don't even notice he's gone. Um, yeah, so it's it's a blast. The dogs are fun. And then you once, have great neighbors too. So that for the most is... part. I think the bitch at the other end of the pond is dead. <laughs> the house. At the far end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. I don't think I've ever seen anything. Yeah, no, I think she's dead. I mean, not that I truly paid like 
is there like a fucking horde of cats over there? Like, what do you mean? Why do you think she's dead? No, I like, I haven't seen lights or cars in literally months. Like someone comes and mows the lawn occasionally. I know her, like she's old and her, her mom was older and I think her mom went into hospice and then she got sick too. And you know, anyway, so, um, I'm pretty sure that house is in probate right now, but Aww. we'll see. Anyway, haven't seen him in a long time, but, um, <laughs> All right, fuckers. No right. big loss, but you know. Guess what I did, fuckers. Well, Look at that. Playing all her videos. Built a. Finished my blanket. Finished the baby blanket. Look at that. That's so cute. Good job. Very nice. Good stuff. Yeah. You should uh, knit some for the yard sale. Oh, yeah, because I'm totally going to get that shit done in fucking a week. A two week. weeks. Uh, whatever, two weeks. Mm hmm. How long <laughs> did that one take you? Well, this is the second blanket. Yeah. So I don't know. I only knit on it whenever I can hang out in DJ's room because there's like not as much pet hair in his room. Okay. <laughs> and then I knit when I'm in here. Well, okay. All right then. So it took me a little while. Right. But, you know, mm -hmm. one day on the farm, I'm going to have a little knitting room, a little craft room. A craft room. Bullshit. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um, okay. So then after I bring the dogs home, because like I said, they can't be out when the chickens are out. Then it's stampede time. Good morning, friends. It's Saturday, harvest day, show day. First, we gotta let the birds out. Ooh, they're getting excited. I can hear them. Hi, guys. You ready to come out? What do we got this morning, huh? Hi, everybody. Emmy, Izzy, peanut butter, don't you dare pack me. There go the ducks. Cocoa Puff, where's my cookie? Dolly, I hear you. You still laying an egg in there? Oh, and there's my cookie. I see a cookie butt. Cookie butt and a dolly. <laughs> they have so much personality. Oh, anyway, what I told you when I come over and I see them outside and I just kind of make noises at them and I don't know whether they like it or not, but it makes them make noises and wag their tail at me and they yeah. think they're cute. So that's why I do it. Yes. No, they do like the attention and ducks are very, very social creatures. And that's why she's so mad because everyone else left and left her behind and she... Because they did what they had to do. Well, she was second. And it, well, she's laying an egg. What? Um, actually she was sitting on like three eggs. She had already laid it. She was just sitting there just and I had to shoot broody. her out. Yeah. She was being broody. Mm -hmm. I really, I really want to get an, um, an incubator. We will. I know we really need to get it. And, and just to incubate the duck eggs. Cause I know they're freaking fertilized. Some of those bitches are huge and they're starting to get like instinct of, you know, sitting on them. So okay. anyway. Yeah, well, and putting things on do. top of them, and yeah, I definitely want to do the incubator thing just because I want to. They're not that expensive. Like. They're, they're like not 50 that expensive. Bucks. Yeah, they're really not that yeah. expensive. I'm just like I for you know a cheap one. Yeah, like, I mean that's not like, like I'm bucks, you know but... later. Yeah, you later. Yeah, we'll do a big thing, but I'm making a small one. Mm -hmm. You know because whatever excess 
things hatch, I can just bring them over here mm -hmm. and give them to you. Well, because I don't have as much room as you do. Not because I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah, yeah. I really do, but I yeah. just I don't have as much room as you do. And my dogs just have yeah. no manners. <laughs> I'm no, just gonna I say no manners. Yes. All right. So uh, gardens this morning. Here we go. All right, start with the East Garden. I did plant this one first. It is growing the slowest, but it gets the least amount of sunlight and it does not have chicken shit compost. So that does make a difference. Anyway, last radish to be harvested here. Tiny little thing, but those leaves look good. We'll make some radish pesto out of that. Those tomatoes are starting to come up. That one's doing well. Leave those guys there. Kohlrabi still has a way to go. It's getting big, but it has a ways to go. Same thing with the beets and these carrots. I see nothing with the carrots. Nothing yet. Carrots have a ways to go. I probably want to thin them a bit. There's an itty bitty carrot. And I'm thinning these because I will use the carrot tops to make pesto with the radish leaves. So even though there's no carrots yet, it's okay. I'm not usually one to thin. I usually say fuck it and let it grow. But sometimes if there's other uses for thinning, I'll do it. See, oh, they're growing. Just if they grow on top of each other, they don't get very big. See, they're so close together here. I don't want them all that close together. Come loose, come loose. There you go. I don't know if you guys ever made pesto with anything other than basil and spinach, but you can use literally any leafy green to make pesto. So carrot tops and radishes, like, like radish leaves make really good pesto. Some either, you know, walnuts or pecans or whatever nut you have and uh, Parmesan cheese and olive oil. Let's put it all in a food processor and get pesto. 
and radishes because they're kind of spicy. Be careful because yeah. I don't want to pull them all up. Um, it really does. Good stuff. Just want to make room for the actual carrots to grow. So I get good big ones. All right. That's enough in there for now. I'll come back to that. These beets still have quite a ways to go. I don't know if I will get beets out of this. But, oh well. These tomatoes are awesome. Doing fabulous. <clears throat> These tomatoes are doing pretty well too. I do wanna cover the bottoms with soil. All these grasses can come up here. That's all grass. Nothing else. I'm not sure what that is. Hmm. And the chickens and the ducks love weeds. They love weeding day. Hot peanut butter. Okay. All these green onions are coming up. Done. Smell good. Green onions done. Those tomatoes are looking nice. There's still some little guys in there. These guys are getting pretty big. I have to put some soil up around the bottom of that too. Then on to our green beans. I have not harvested these beans in like a week and a half. And I am sad to say that they're really not very big. Now they are in an enclosed bed, not with electroculture. They're in their own bed. And it really does make a difference because these guys are like tiny. And this guy's a little bit bigger, but not like the beans we see on the other side. Just not very big. Right? They've been growing all week. Two weeks even. Oh, it's getting a little claustrophobic in here. Alright. These tomatoes are all growing awesomely. I really do need to prune back this tomato plant. Let's do that. 
it's not producing fruit, it doesn't need to be on there because it's just pulling away from the fruit. So these suckers can come off. Do not be shy about pruning your tomato plants. These guys will all go straight in the composter because nightshade plants are not good for chickens. So, no tomato leaves for them. Alright, now these tomatoes are heavily pruned. Just producing fruit. That's awesome. This kohlrabi, same as the other ones. It's getting big. But it's not there yet. This broccoli's coming up nicely, finally. And these peas, I had some pea pods here somewhere. I haven't gotten a lot of peas out of these guys. It's getting too hot too fast. It's okay though. Borage and marigolds. I'll harvest the borage as well. These peas are weighing down my okra. Should be twirling up around here, not on my okra. But I'm already starting to get some okra developing in there. Let's see if you can see this. See that little guy right there? This one? That's an okra. It's coming. Ooh, this wild Thai basil does not need to be in there. This pea is dead. Dead, dead, dead. Out he comes. Okay. And this tomato is doing well, but it can be pruned too. Grapes, this parsley, the more you pick it, the more it grows. Same with the oregano. That rosemary is sad. I've got to cut it all the way back. That lavender is nice though. More grapes. Ooh. Do we have any peas over here? Ah, I have one pea here. Again, it's getting too hot for peas. I've got my first cucumber over here. 
on this side. There he is. He's little, but he's coming. These guys are starting to pick up. There's another one there. They're doing a little better on the other side. So this guy in here puts up some decent sized green beans. Of course, this is in electroculture. But not a whole lot because, again, not as much sun. Ooh, look at this guy. That's nice. Excellent. So, I am getting some cucumbers and squashes grown over here. There's my first yellow squash. And there's a bunch of cucumbers over here, like that big one. So, we're getting there. Slowly but surely. Corn. Oh my gosh, this corn is amazing. I'm very excited about this corn. See, it's actually like growing into corn. Check that out, that's a corn. And I got some squashies growing up in here and some tomatoes too, which are doing great. They grow well together. There's another corn. You're actually gonna have corn this year. There's another one and another one. All that up and very cool. So right. the corn, Video on one. It's doing very well over here. There's only one small like part of the one. These squash are so doing well as well. They are really starting to climb up the side. Ooh. Squash flowers go great in scrambled eggs. We'll be eating that for breakfast. On this side. Look at that. There's our zucchini, our first zucchini. And another one, and another one, and another one. Yeah. Look at all those squash in there. This guy looks like he's rotting. He's no good. And this one too, uh-oh. I don't like that. Uh-uh, we gotta get rid of these guys. They're no good. Yep, they're rotting away. I don't want them making everything else bad. So, off you come with your bad self. See, those go right to the chickens. Here, chickens. They need to sit on a nice leaf to not rot. I'll put you under there. That. I'll lay you out. There we go. That's better. 
lost flowers. And over here, these guys are okay. That leaf I put under them is being protective. Let's go for another one though. Slide him underneath these guys. Just like that. So they don't rot in the ground. Okay. Here, Ruby. Alright then. Onions are coming up. Brussels sprouts. Asparagus, those tomatoes are turning red, orange anyway. I gotta prune that tomato bush too. This basil's doing very nicely in here, as I thought it would. And all my herbs over here, salad, potatoes. East Garden is doing well. Moving on. Uh, Tammy, my, my corn is directly in the ground. Um, I planted it in a spiral pattern, which is pretty cool. And it's done amazingly well. In the next garden we're going to here, um, it's planted with the squash. But I made a mistake of planting it at the same time. And the squash got bigger before the corn did. And it kind of, it's it's pulled a lot of the corn down. So a lot of the corn did not do as well over there, even though this West Garden grows a lot better. You'll see. All right, moving on to the West Garden. This is getting rather claustrophobic as well as these guys are getting so big. Look at this cucumber. Ooh, he's not ready to go yet. When they're the same size on both ends, then they're ready to pick. He's got some time yet. Here's another one. And one right next to him. And some more down here. Oh yeah, some more over here. Look how tall these guys have gotten. And my sunflowers, some of them are taller than I am. Like this guy, he's six foot tall here. Here's another cucumber. And oop, that sunflower is gonna bloom here soon. Okay, let's see what we got here for beans and peas. Here's a little pea pod. We'll pick him, that's fine. Again, I have not been in here in a week because I wanted to see how they would grow. I mean, I've been in here, I just haven't been harvesting in a week. So. We still have some growing time. Peas anywhere? Nope. These guys are little yet. They have some more time to grow. Okay. Look at these big old cucumbers coming up too. Hello. And little ones. 
all over. And my bees. I'm so excited about the bumblebees. I don't know where they live yet. I'll find out. All right. Moving on. My eggplants are starting to flower. I'll have eggplants here soon. Oh, and my jalapenos are going down there. I was gonna move them, but now they're flowering again. So I might just have to cut them back. These guys are doing awesome. And my Thai peppers here. Oh, I've got the first little one there. More here. Are good. These peppers are huge. And of course, my green beans. Green beans, green beans, green beans. And these peppers are huge as well, but not red yet. So they have more time. Another, wow, this guy is like four feet tall, five feet tall. Wow. All right, green, holy shit. Um, I was wondering what would happen if I let it grow for a week. Oh, damn it. Those guys are fine. Look at this. Look at that. That's the biggest freaking green bean I've ever seen. That's insane. Holy shit. I don't even know what to say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Those big green beans. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Are we mushrooming? Not quite yet. Almost. Okay. All right. This cabbage is doing much better once I covered the roots up. It's getting much bigger. These peppers are growing. As is this collard greens and the mustard greens. I'm really thinking about letting the mustard greens go to seeds so that I can get mustard seed. I don't eat a whole lot of mustard greens anyway. They're very strong. Peas. Mm. See, those are kind of meh. Meh. These are nice peas here. Those are peas. Shit. Then this cilantro, I can almost harvest again. Peppers. Look at these guys. And more peppers, and more peppers. Another one down there, and there, and all there. And some little ones growing up there. And these salad greens keep coming back. I thought it was too hot for him. I thought we were done. Apparently not. It did get pretty cold last week, though. It so, did. Yeah. So weird. I was so pissed off last yeah. week about that BS weather. Ooh. I know. 
And my first okra it's flower. Yep. I'll have okra out of this soon too. So that, my friends. There's a west garden. There's a hole in the chicken garden. Not before they all got in there a whole bunch and ate it up. But stuff's coming back, so it'll be okay. And I'll probably replant it here soon. They went to town on that. They sure did. They did. They sure did. There's a hole like right over there, and they all just went right through it. Little shitheads. Oh, little shitheads. Somebody moved their name to this morning. So the herb bed, that's some mint. Wild tomato still growing there. Watermelon starting to pop up. Purple basil, and some parsley. Then that rosemary. All these sweet potatoes under here, all growing everywhere. And this lime tree here is doing awesome. I picked some limes off it last night and Nick loved them. This blueberry bush, something keeps coming and eating my blueberries, but all right. Raccoon bigger. And then this squash is killing it. So I've got all kinds of stuff. It'll start here soon, giving me fruit, but it's vining all the way down here. Oh, check it out. My borage is blooming. Yes. That is what borage looks like when it blooms. So I need to harvest some of this as well. Good stuff. And these sunflowers are about to bloom as well. And uh, yeah, those marigolds, strawberries and melons there. Sunflowers about to come up there. So there we go, the fruit garden. So that's the gardens. They change so much every every week. They get bigger, every time I come over, crazier. It's like, it's insane. So, um, and it, it honestly helps that I never stop working on them. Oh no! Absolutely. I mean, I work on them like six hours a day. So I mean, you're a little bit more dedicated to that shit. Than I well, that's because I don't want to be inside. Because then I have to be cleaning the house. Anything I can. I mean, do I think that's a misconception. House. I literally don't think just because you're in the house, you have to clean it. I know. I don't know. I think I. I think maybe I may have kind of turned into you a little bit at this point. <laughs> you say fuck it. I'm just so fucking <sighs> cleaning, bro. Like, yeah, that was part of my meltdown this week. So I'm just like, you know what? I, yeah, fuck it. So, mighty patriot. Um, you missed it when I did the demonstration before, but this is crazy. So, this this is a non electroculture bean. Okay. It's it's good size, you know. I mean, it is a, a, a string bean, um, the size of my hand, right? That's not bad. This this is the electroculture bean. It is twice the size of the non-electroculture bean, and it's like super plump. I mean, I it's like it already looks like it's going to be so juicy. So, I, I understand what you're saying. Normally. Um, the bigger the green bean gets, the stringier it gets. These don't seem to be doing that. These seem to be getting plumper and juicier. So are we going to have, are we having salad for lunch? I mean, yeah. Okay. We can. I was going to say, what other kind of things can we go harvesting out of your garden? I want to have some fun with, see what we can make. I gotcha. 
Um, I pretty much harvested most everything this morning that's ready to be harvested. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's okay. Just, anyway. You know me. I'm just like ready to start experimenting with shit. Yes. Yes. Well, soon we're going to start making pickles. and yes, um, excited for that. Yes, most definitely. And we're going to pickle everything. I was just going to so. say, pickled everything. Yes. <laughs> but first, we have to go through the house so we can make room for canning shit. I mean, I that's know. why I want the pool house. I know. Out. That's why we have to go through the pool house first. So, and have this big yard sale. It's going to be fun. Anyway. I told Taylor that we were doing that. As I said, I told him this morning. And I said, I have. I am sure I have stuff that I can bring to the yard sale, you know, just like, yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah, you fucking do. Yeah. In that fucking garage. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like such a dude because my garage is full of fucking projects and all kinds of shit. Yeah. All because that's the shit that I like to do. And he's like, I just want to be able to work out in the garage. And I'm like, uh, well, yeah. okay. Anyway, like, I just want to play in there. Your, that's your garage. Need, that's why we need the pool house. to <laughs> Your garage is as full as my pool house. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It is organized. Maybe more so. Is. Because mine is all big fucking heavy wood furniture that's in there. And mine's all crap we haven't used for like three years. Right, right. You, you know, kids toys. And, years, but okay. I know it moved with us. I told you to get rid of that shit. I know, but I wanted to sell it. I don't. I don't want to. I know, but I'm you know, just saying. I hate throwing shit at the dump. It's just ridiculous. I didn't mean. You know, I didn't mean throw it away. I would have donated the kids' shit because that's just me. I would have just donated it. To yeah, the, no, like, the, I. The oh, I don't. I donated a lot of stuff, shit. but yeah. And then um, whatever we don't sell and get rid of that you still want to get rid of, we're gonna toss in the back of my truck and I'm gonna take it over to the Kappa Thrift Store if you don't mind. Works for me because uh, Kappa is the Child Abuse Prevention Association over in Beaufort, and yep. they have a thrift store and it helps support. Uh, Sweet. Their, their group homes. So. Sweet. Excellent. Yeah. Give it to the kids. All right. Anyway, so you guys may have heard me talking about how my next project, my next garden um, is going to be a mushroom garden. In fact, uh, Mick is going to be pulling out the chainsaw. Apparently there's a tree he wants to take down anyway, but he's going to be pulling out the, ch welcome to come to my <laughs> the chainsaw next Friday on this day off. And uh, we're going to cut up some, some wood um, so I'm going to order some mushroom plugs, right? Okay. So you get mushroom plugs and you drill holes in the wood and you put the plugs in there and you cover it with beeswax. And in like six months to a year, like mushrooms grow everywhere. Okay. Right. Very cool. Okay. And I don't mean the magic mushrooms. I don't mean the kind that Mick eats, although, you know, we can oh, grow I'll those definitely too. definitely be getting some of We those can grow those too. But I mean, regular mushrooms because regular, I, first off. I love mushrooms. I I freaking love regular mushrooms. Like in everything. I like them in my salad. I, I everything. will eat mushrooms all day long, right? But just like everything else, coming from the grocery store, I don't trust that shit anymore. And I got those like grow your own mushroom kits, right? I got a bunch of them for Christmas and I put them in the kitchen. Bad idea. Cause I I got bugs. Like I got little fucking yeah. gnats. Like they were just mushrooms. The whole kit was like full of bug. I was no. No, no, it's too humid down here for that. I need to put them in the pool house, but the pool house is full. So, um, and I was like, fuck that. Why should I grow them inside? Mushrooms should grow outside. Yes. And uh, anyway, so as I've been walking around, I walking the dogs, walking around the property, you know, going through the gardens, whatnot. I keep finding mushrooms. Oh, I have tons everywhere. Of on my tons of mushrooms. Tons of mushrooms on my property. And I have no idea what they are. And I don't even really have property. And I'm terrified of them. Because you don't know what they because are. Because you don't know what they are. And like you hear it's stories like, like mm. you know, like, oh, you can eat this time. mushroom and I'll just kill you. And like, oh, okay. Use your app. 
Well, it, yes, there is a mushrooming app as well. Is there? Yeah. There is. I think that's um, a good idea. And and I'll I'll do that sometimes. But first, I wanted to learn about mushrooms, about different kinds of mushrooms, Absolutely. right? Um, because they can be scary. Mm-hmm. And I adore mushrooms. And like everyone goes, they go mushrooming, they go picking wild mushrooms. And I'm like, now that's really something I, I want to learn to do too. Cause that could be something that we're going to depend on here soon. Uh, they do that up in Washington. It's like a yeah. whole ass event and yeah. they're the real mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 No, I gotcha. Yeah. But they, but I mean, just stuff like that. Yeah. There's just so many things. And like I was telling you, I like to drink the mushroom coffee. Yes. And that is just a, basically a cocktail of like fucking like 10 or 12 different, 10 yep. or 20 different types of yep. mushrooms. At Lion's and it's so much and better and for all you. kinds of different stuff. Yeah. It's so much better. Okay. First of all. We were talking about mushroom coffee talking last about night, actually. Mushroom coffee. Okay. Now, so one of the ones that I got actually does have some Arabica beans in it. Round mm-hmm. into it this way, it will have that coffee caffeine, fla- that yeah. coffee flavor, really okay. more than anything, because they're telling you it's like eighty or ninety percent less caffeine than what you would get in commercial coffee. I am not opposed to coffee. We all know I use coffee as a vehicle to get creamer to my mouth. Um, yep. <laughs> I, but I think that it's a great way. Like I was telling you, like when I, you were when I was first like, "Hey, Vanessa, can we grow fucking coffee?" And you're like, "No," and I was like. Yes, we, yes can. we can. Right. Cause you know me, I want to, yep. I want to, cause I want to fucking grow everything. And I was telling it to Taylor, I was like, we can grow our own coffee beans. I was like, we can grow the mushrooms and we can make mushroom, our own mushroom coffee. Yeah. Right. I was like, there's so many things that he's like, yeah. And I was like, I'm, you know, like, it's just, there's so much waste with the shit that we buy yep. from the store. And we have no idea what it is that they're really putting on there to exactly. preserve. That new APL shit is like, you can't get that shit off. That is just like straight up chemical sludge on top of your food. And they call it organic. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? No. Anyway. I mean, I guess snot is organic, but still it's gross. (laughs) So gross. So anyway, so I thought um, today would be a good opportunity to start learning a little bit about mushrooms. So um, let's see. We are going to start with another one let's do new to mushroom hunting oh no i don't want to do like that ah nope that's not how i want to do it okay now mind you this is kind of this is like 30 minutes this is kind of like an all-in-one video um literally new to mushroom hunting do not think that be, you know, because you watched this 30 minute video with us that you can go out and start picking your own mushrooms and eating them. Don't do that, please. Um, I will not take responsibility for you going out and, uh, you know, starting eating wild mushrooms because you watched this 30 minute video with us. Seriously. So I was going to say, don't half do that. the shit that we do, we're like, yes, kids, try this shit at home. Yes. But today she's this, like, no, kids, don't try do this shit at try home. This at home. All right. But uh, here we go. So I found this cool channel. Um, Greetings, everyone. I'm Adam Harriton, and if you are interested in learning the skills involved in foraging wild mushrooms, then this is a video that I encourage you to watch in its entirety. What I'm going to do over the next several minutes is cover some basic information as it relates to the identifying and collecting of wild mushrooms so that you can begin to develop a strong foundation that will support and carry you through all your future mycological endeavors.
As you might imagine, the fungal kingdom is incredibly diverse and incredibly complex, and every year, new information is discovered and published. Because of this complexity, it can be difficult for an absolute beginner to know where to start or how to best approach the subject matter. That's why I created this video, to make this whole process of learning a little bit easier and a little more exciting. So this video is meant to serve as a starting point in your educational process. By no means will the content in this video be exhaustive. Things will be left out, but I will do my best to lay a solid foundation and to provide enough information and inspiration to get you started. So with all that in mind, let's begin to explore the wonderful world of mushrooms and more. The conventional wisdom, not so much folklore, but who's to decide what we must ignore. And let's begin our discussion with this obvious yet very important question. What is a mushroom? Well, a mushroom represents a single stage in the complex life cycle of a fungus, the fruiting stage. And this cycle begins when spores germinate into slender strands that grow and connect to form a larger network of filaments known as mycelium. Often hidden from plain sight, though very abundant in soil, leaf litter, and trees, the mycelial network of a fungus is responsible for, among many things, acquiring nutrients. When conditions are appropriate, mycelium can give rise to above-ground reproductive structures known as mushrooms. Now what's interesting, and bordering on perplexing, is that even though all mushrooms are members of kingdom fungi, not all fungi produce mushrooms. And the exact number of fungal species is unknown. Some researchers believe that there are between 1.5 to 5.1 million species of fungi, though a very recent estimate suggests that there are instead somewhere in the order of 12 million fungal species on planet Earth. So what are all these fungi doing? Well, just like every other living organism on this planet, fungi are involved in elaborate relationships which we could reclassify as roles. Conveniently, the roles of fungi can be broken down into a few categories whose boundaries are actually not so clearly defined, but we will keep these boundaries in place for the current discussion. One category includes saprotrophic fungi. These fungi grow on decaying wood, on stumps, logs, sticks, forest litter, and fallen leaves, and saprotrophic fungi have the ability to break down plant cell wall compounds. Saprotrophic fungi are therefore considered to be decomposers. Another category of fungi includes parasitic fungi. These fungi grow on or within living substrates at the expense of their host substrates. Such substrates include living trees, plants, other mushrooms, animals, even humans. And a third category of fungi includes mycorrhizal fungi. These fungi form mutualistic symbiotic relationships with plants. Both organisms, the plant and the fungus, benefit in this relationship. The plants photosynthesize and create sugars 
in exchange for water, minerals, and other nutrients. So where do we find these fascinating mushrooms? And when can we find these mushrooms? Well, now that we already know a little bit about fungal ecology, we already have a better understanding of where we can find mushrooms. Forests and woodlands are excellent places to explore, and if you really want to increase your chances of finding certain types of mushrooms, specifically mycorrhizal mushrooms, then I strongly encourage you to learn tree identification and learn which trees form mycorrhizal associations where you live. Here in the Northeast slash Mid-Atlantic region, trees that form mycorrhizal associations with mushrooms include oaks, beech trees, birch trees, hemlock trees, pine trees, and spruce trees. Of course, within forests, you will also find saprotrophic mushrooms on wood, including on logs, stumps, and standing snags. The leaf litter is also a good place to look for mushrooms. And if you're looking for some of the more obscure fungi, pay attention to insects and arachnids for the parasitic fungi that grow on these animal hosts. Fields and meadows are good places to look for fungi. Wood chips are excellent substrates for mushrooms. Garden beds provide optimal habitats for numerous species of fungi. And don't forget, animal dung can be a hotbed of mushroom activity. The trick is knowing when to look for mushrooms and timing your mushroom hunts perfectly. There are mushroom seasons, and it's important to know when these seasons occur in your region. Here in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic region, our mushroom season kicks off early spring and continues through mid to late autumn. Believe it or not, mushrooms even grow throughout the winter season around here. And of course, mushrooms really like rain. Generally speaking, ample rainfall is associated with mushroom formation. If you have a really wet summer season, for instance, well, you may also observe lots of mushrooms during this wet summer season. So learn the mushroom seasons where you live and keep in mind that rainfall and tree diversity have a lot to do with the number and diversity of mushrooms that you may observe in any given season. Now that we have a basic understanding of fungal biology and ecology, and we know when and where to find mushrooms, what specific anatomical features should we be looking for when attempting to identify a wild mushroom? Well, mushrooms come in all different colors and textures and shapes and sizes, and more often than not, they're full of surprises. So let's look at their features, their fringes and frills. Our first example, fungi with gills. Gilled fungi are among our most recognizable mushrooms. A gilled mushroom contains a spreading cap known mycologically as a pileus. Many gilled mushrooms have a stalk known mycologically as a stipe, though many gilled mushrooms do not have stipes. Underneath the cap is where you will find the fertile gills, which are known as lamellae. And these lamellae contain microscopic structures that forcibly discharge spores. Now some gilled fungi, but not all, contain a few more structures worth mentioning. The first is the universal veil, which covers the entire immature mushroom and eventually breaks to leave behind patches on the cap surface or even a sac-like structure at the base of the stem known as the vulva. Some gilled fungi also contain a partial veil, 
which covers the gills of an immature mushroom. This partial veil breaks to leave a ring or ring zone known as an onulus around the stem. Now clearly, not all mushrooms contain gills underneath their caps. Non-gilled fungi include polypore mushrooms, which have fertile tubes and pores underneath their caps, bolete mushrooms, which, like polypore mushrooms, typically have tubes and pores underneath their caps, toothed mushrooms, which have teeth or spines that contain fertile structures, chanterelles that have blunt folds or ridges, club and coral fungi, jelly fungi, puffball fungi, stinkhorn fungi, and crust fungi. Additional mushroom morphologies that you will routinely encounter include cup fungi, morel mushrooms, cordyceps fungi, and truffle-like fungi. Now, in addition to those features, a mushroom's spore color can be one way of acquiring a positive identification. And to observe the spore color, it may be necessary, at least when you're just starting out, to take a spore print. To take a spore print, you'll want to put the fertile side or the underside of a mushroom on some kind of surface. After several hours, check and see if your mushroom deposited its spores and note what color you see. Now spore color alone will not tell you what mushroom you have, but spore color can be one effective way at helping you arrive at a positive identification after noting all those other features that we previously mentioned. So we've covered a lot of ground so far, a lot of the basics, but nothing too bizarre. I think we're now ready to focus on hunting mysterious mushrooms that we'll be confronting. So let's switch gears to the actual harvesting of wild mushrooms and let's kick off this section with the following often asked question. What should we bring with us on a mushroom hunt? Well, you actually don't need to bring many items or tools with you, but there are two things that I do consider indispensable when hunting and harvesting wild mushrooms. The first is a knife so that you can cut your mushrooms and any sharp knife will do. And the second is a collection vessel, whether it's a basket, a mesh bag, a wax bag, a paper bag, a tackle box, a backpack, just something to put your mushrooms in so that you don't have to carry them around in your pockets or in your t-shirt. Other items that you may wish to bring with you include a camera to document your finds, a brush to wipe off any debris, a hand lens to observe features that require magnification, and anything else that would make you feel comfortable in the woods. Personally, a knife, a basket or bag, and a camera are the things that I most often carry while exploring the woods for mushrooms. On the topic of knives, let's briefly discuss two common methods used to harvest wild mushrooms. The first, obviously, is to cut a wild mushroom at the base of its stalk or at its point of attachment to its substrate. This technique is very useful if you already know the identity of your wild mushroom and you are harvesting for debris-free consumption. However, if you are harvesting for identification purposes, I strongly recommend harvesting the entire mushroom. 
This means you may have to dig a bit around the base of the mushroom if it's in the soil. Full specimen harvesting is important because several key features, including a bulbous base or a vulva, mycelial color, or even a unique and unexpected host are oftentimes located in the soil. And if you just cut the mushroom at its stalk at ground level, you will be missing out on some very important characteristics that will help you identify your mushroom. Now what about sustainability of harvesting mushrooms? Is cutting a mushroom less detrimental to future populations compared to pulling up a mushroom from the ground? Well, peer-reviewed research suggests that pulling or cutting a mushroom has no discernible effect on future yields of fruiting bodies, nor on species richness within an area. Remember, mushrooms are the reproductive structures of fungi. The ecological role of a mushroom is similar to the role of fruit on a fruit tree, hence the term fruiting body to describe a mushroom. So many people will make the comparison that harvesting mushrooms is no more detrimental than harvesting apples from apple trees. My thoughts on the subject are this. Just as someone would not forage every single apple from a neighbor's apple tree without first asking for permission or offering a gift in return, or at the very least saying thank you, perhaps we should not approach the foraging of wild mushrooms with anything less than intention, gratitude, respect, and awareness that every single action of ours is intimately bound to a consequence. So forage responsibly and respectfully and be a good example for others to do the same. Moving forward, let's discuss edible mushrooms. Now I gotta tell you up front, not every mushroom that is listed as being edible is tolerated by everyone. Just like some people have sensitivities to common foods in the grocery store, some people have sensitivities to wild foods, including to wild mushrooms. To reduce the likelihood that you would experience any negative effects upon consuming a mushroom that is listed as being edible, I recommend starting with a small amount if it's your first time eating that mushroom, and I recommend cooking it well. And yes, I recommend cooking all wild edible mushrooms before ingesting them. Now I know these are broad recommendations and many people might take issue with them. I'm fine with that. But if you want to reduce the likelihood of experiencing gastrointestinal distress or cramps or indigestion, start small and cook well. And of course, forage intelligently, meaning never eat an unidentified wild mushroom. Always be 100% positive of your identification before consuming a wild mushroom. Forage in clean areas, as mushrooms can bioaccumulate toxins, and when in doubt, don't throw it out, but save your unidentified mushroom and learn to properly identify it. Then proceed accordingly. So right now I'm going to briefly discuss eight very easy to identify wild edible mushrooms that grow in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic region of the United States. I'm not going to go into too much detail on any one particular species because there's already plenty of information on several websites, in several books, and I do have several videos on the following species. I'm only going to introduce you to them so that you know which ones to start with. I encourage you to do more research, research them more thoroughly before going out harvesting and consuming them.
Of course, we are going to start with morels because these mushrooms are arguably among the most prized of all edible fungi. In my neck of the woods, they are some of the first edible mushrooms to appear during the spring months. Morels have honeycomb pitted caps that sit on top of stalks and for the most part, when you cut these mushrooms in half, you will see that the insides are typically hollow from top to bottom. Morels grow terrestrially from the soil in association with a wide variety of trees, including elm, tulip poplar, apple, sycamore, hickory, ash, and pine trees. Oyster mushrooms comprise several different species in the Pleurotus genus. And depending on where you live, you may encounter oyster mushrooms growing every season of the year. And that's true where I live in Pennsylvania. Oyster mushrooms typically grow on wood. Their caps vary in color, though most wild varieties display shades of white, cream, tan, yellow, or brown. And underneath the cap of an oyster mushroom, you will see gills that run the complete length of the cap and down the stalk if a stalk is present. Chanterelles are delicious, edible mushrooms that fruit during the summer and autumn months where I live. And these mushrooms are mycorrhizal with a variety of trees, including oaks and hemlocks. Meaning, you will typically find these mushrooms growing terrestrially from the soil. Chanterelles typically display vase-shaped morphologies with undersides comprised of blunt folds or ridges rather than distinct plate-like gills. Black trumpets are closely related to chanterelles, so it's no surprise that the two groups of mushrooms share similar features. Black trumpets are mycorrhizal, and you will find them growing terrestrially in association with oaks, hemlocks, and pine trees during the summer and autumn months. Like chanterelles, black trumpets are typically vase-shaped with an outer or undersurface comprised of blunt folds or ridges rather than clearly defined plate-like gills. Chicken of the woods is one of the easiest mushrooms to positively identify because it is among the brightest and largest of all fungi in the forest. This mushroom starts to appear during the later weeks of spring and you will continue to see fruitings throughout the summer and autumn months. Chicken of the woods contains a bright orange cap and as a polypore mushroom, it contains pores on its underside rather than gills. These pores can vary in color depending on the species, though you will usually see either yellow or peach colored pores. Also, depending on the species, you will see chicken of the woods on or very near deciduous and conifer trees, both living and dead trees. Hen of the Woods is another polypore mushroom, but rather than displaying bright shades of orange and yellow, this mushroom instead camouflages itself perfectly with its brown and tan and grayish colors. Hen of the Woods grows either directly on trees or a little away from trees, and this mushroom is most commonly found late summer through autumn, growing in association with oak trees. Though you will also see this mushroom growing on or alongside beech trees, maple trees, and cherry trees. Lion's mane is one of the easiest mushrooms to positively identify. The only other mushrooms that look like lion's mane are other mushrooms in the Harisium genus, all of which are considered to be edible. 
Lion's mane consists of a cushiony mass of downward pointing teeth or spines. It grows directly on wood, typically on hardwood trees, either living or dead trees, and it typically grows summer through autumn where I live. And the last edible mushroom that I will briefly discuss is the puffball mushroom. And actually, there are lots of puffball mushrooms, but I'm just going to describe one that we call the giant puffball mushroom. It's incredibly easy to positively identify, and the only thing you'd mistake it for is a soccer ball or volleyball or a bag of trash in the woods. Puffballs are considered to be edible when their insides are still white and not discolored yellow or olive or purple. Again, obviously I only briefly discussed those eight edible mushrooms, so I strongly encourage you to do more research on each of those species before harvesting and consuming them. And if you just scroll through my YouTube channel, you'll find plenty of videos on almost all of those mushrooms. I do realize that I could have discussed about 150 more edible mushrooms, including some people's favorites, but for brevity's sake, and to just get you started, I'm going to stop with those eight edible species that commonly grow in the Northeast. Now what about poisonous mushrooms? Well, it's no secret that kingdom fungi houses some pretty toxic species. And when learning to forage mushrooms for the table, it is absolutely essential that you also learn which species are toxic. And it's important that you learn which species are toxic during the early stages of your foraging education. I'm now going to briefly introduce you to five common poisonous mushrooms. And again, this is not an exhaustive list of poisonous mushrooms, nor am I going to go into too much detail on any one species. So I strongly encourage you to do more research on the following poisonous mushrooms. The destroying angel is one of the deadliest organisms on planet Earth due to its concentration of toxic compounds known as amatoxins. And when I say deadly, I mean deadly when ingested. You can safely touch and handle this mushroom, but under no circumstances should you ingest this mushroom. The destroying angel actually comprises a group of closely related mycorrhizal species, all of which are nearly pure white and grow terrestrially from the soil, typically during the summer and autumn months. The destroying angel contains a partial veil that breaks to leave a ring around the stalk and this mushroom has a sac-like vulva located at the base of the stalk. The deadly gallerina is another poisonous mushroom that contains the same class of toxic compounds found in deadly amanita mushrooms. The deadly gallerina is a small brown saprotrophic mushroom that grows directly from wood, either from logs and stumps or even from wood chips. The deadly gallerina contains rusty brown gills in maturity. It contains a partial veil which breaks to leave a ring around its stalk and its spore print is rusty brown. The green spored lepiota is a common lawn mushroom associated with more poisoning reports than any other species in North America. Because of its large size and beautiful features, many people are drawn to this fungus. But most people who eat the green spored lepiota get very sick. Ingestion of this mushroom can cause vomiting, diarrhea, and intestinal cramps that last for many hours. One very important key feature, as this mushroom's name so clearly states, is the green spore print. 
The jack-o'-lantern is a medium to large-sized poisonous mushroom that grows in dense clusters in association with wood during the summer and autumn seasons. The jack-o'-lantern is a gilled mushroom and it contains a class of toxic compounds known as eludins that can cause severe gastrointestinal distress if consumed. So my recommendation is to obviously never eat the jack-o'-lantern mushroom. And the last poisonous fungus that I will include in this video is the sulfur tuft mushroom. This species is a small to medium sized yellowish mushroom with greenish gills and purple brown spores that grows in clusters on both deciduous and conifer wood. The sulfur tuft typically grows in the colder months of the year, though sometimes you will see it during the summer months as well. Symptoms of toxicity can take up to eight hours to manifest and these symptoms can include gastrointestinal distress, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, and vision impairment. Interestingly, out of all the described mushroom species worldwide, only a small percentage of them, believe it or not, are very toxic. The vast majority of fungi actually pose no or only minor harm following ingestion. And in many cases, gastrointestinal disturbances are the only symptoms reported. Again, I strongly encourage you to do more research on all those poisonous mushrooms we just mentioned, learn them, learn which poisonous mushrooms grow in your area, familiarize yourself with them, and forage intelligently. And of course, no current discussion of mushrooms would be complete without mentioning medicinal mushrooms. The scientific literature is quite replete with studies all right, we're going to get back to some uh, medicinal mushrooms in a moment. Oh, you know, that's our favorite. But in the meantime, it is 420. So we have to partake of a little bit of medicinal nature stuff ourselves and tribute our dear friend Justin at the same time. So um, where'd it go? There it is. Okay. So if y'all got it. You want to get high? You want to get high? Always. 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 Okay. We're sorry. 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 We're Before Cardio Miracle, Heather couldn't, I'd have to pull the bong for her and she would just clear it because she did not have the lung capacity to take a hit off the bong. <laughs>
I love you, Mary Jane. Nice and high. Yeah. Definitely get excited after this bitch. <sighs> I've had all the greens soaking in salt water to get all the bugs and dirt off. I was telling you, ever since I came over and had that fresh salad, oh man, I just been craving so the salad like crazy. I have fresh tomatoes too. I've been hiding them so they quit them. Yeah, Taylor and I both are guilty. Thunder kicks. I'm just eating the tomatoes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like snacks. Yeah. Well, all snacking tomatoes. So. So. When the FBI knocks on your door, what do we tell them? What do we tell them? Nah, bear. Nah, bear. Oh, FBI, Bob. Oh, okay. Oh, did I tell you? Hmm. I probably did. Okay, so two things. I was lying. There was a little bit of an update mm -hmm. uh, on the farm. It was just that um, the 501c3 application, since we submitted it before May 24th, has been assigned to a specialist. And if they need any additional information, they'll reach out. So we should know if we are 501c3 Yep. approved in like two to four weeks, yep. which is lovely. And then the other thing that I wanted to say, which I think is funny and uh, hilarious, my father would like the link to the show. Excellent. <laughs> well, fantastic. All right. My dad. Oh, boy. All right. It's going to be so much fun. Excellent. All right. Let's go back to medicinal mushrooms. Investigating the pharmacological properties of mushrooms and the unique compounds they possess. Research suggests that certain species of fungi, and more specifically their bioactive compounds, may offer support for mental health issues and immune system regulation, and may be useful in the treatment of certain types of cancer. Now there's plenty of information on medicinal fungi online. If you scroll through my YouTube archives, you'll find plenty of videos on medicinal mushrooms. So I won't dive too deeply into the topic here, but to get you started, here are a few mushrooms worth investigating. Turkey tail. Lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, maitake, chaga, and birch polypore. So up until this point, we covered a lot of information, a lot of basic but useful information to help get you started. And of course, there are plenty of opportunities for additional learning. For example, books and field guides. One of the most common questions that I receive is, Adam, what mushroom books and field guides do you recommend? And the answer is, it depends. It really depends on where you live, because in my experiences, the best mushroom books and the best field guides are really region specific. So I encourage you to seek out the books that pertain to mushrooms in your region. Around here, the Northeast Great Lakes Mid-Atlantic region, I recommend mushroom books by the following authors. 
Allen and Arlene Bissett, Walter Sturgeon, William Rudy, and Tim Baroni. In addition to using books and field guides, another great way to improve your mushroom hunting skills is to visit mushroom-related websites. Mushroom Observer and iNaturalist are two popular websites that are worth looking into. And if you're on Facebook, I'd recommend browsing some of the mushroom identification groups. But be warned, you will probably encounter some loose cannons and strong egos in some of those groups. But if you can tune that madness out, you will have the opportunity to learn a lot. And last but certainly not least, one of the best ways to improve your skills is to join a mushroom club and to attend local, regional, and even national forays. It's been my experience that there's no substitute for learning from other mushroom enthusiasts, especially within a community-like setting that a mushroom club provides. Check out the North American Mycological Association's website for an extensive list of mushroom clubs. So if you've been on the fence for a while now about this little thing called mushroom hunting and you weren't sure whether to pursue this hobby or not, hopefully this video has influenced your decision in a positive manner. Remember, this is just one video to get you started and we covered some really basic information. I certainly left out a lot that was intentional. No video could ever cover everything there is to know about mushrooms because frankly, there is no such thing as knowing everything there is to know about mushrooms. But give it a shot because it's worth it. Foraging mushrooms I'd characterize as supremely rewarding, at least in my eyes. But over the years, I think you will realize that nature connection, not mushroom identification, but real nature connection between you and the land that you live on is the ultimate prize. All right. So, okay. I guess we're going to have to go mushrooming. Yes. But remember, I was saying, as he was naming off those mushrooms, I was like, that's in my coffee. Yes. That's in my coffee. Yes. And I was like, well, man, we can grow that. A, a lot of those we can grow. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the other side of the pond, because our land extends like three feet past the other side of the pond. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a lot of. It's really oh, hard to get sorry. back there. We will use that, but it's really hard to get back there because um, you got to either take the boat across with the gators or um, you got to walk around. No gators. No gators. You got to walk around, which is a pain in the ass. Um, but anyway, there's there's a lot of down trees over there, and I bet there's a lot of mushrooms growing back there. Oh, I there. bet. So, so I'm telling you, I have a ton of some of those low-growing ones that he showed all over the poisonous front, ones or the I probably probably they're all over the front yard. It yep. was like when I was back there yesterday working out my frustration on the tree tree stump. There was mushrooms back there, and I was just like, "Yep, yard." Yes, but I was like, eh. "I mean, so, they grew there last year, obviously." So, like, the dog survived it then. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, Animals are pretty good about right? not eating so, things I mean, that are going to kill intact, them. So I would assume that my dogs were not interested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've, one thing I've noticed, like I'll come across mushrooms mm -hmm. after I break them because they really do blend into with the ground or whatever they're growing on. Like, especially the ones that grow up out of the soil. I mean, they, they look like the leaves around them. They look like 
you know, oh, a lot of them do really. Blend. Yeah, they really, really blend. So you really kind of got to pay attention and be careful at what you're looking at. But um, that's okay. That maybe we'll we'll do a little mushroom exploration trip this week. Okay. And we'll uh, we'll follow up with some uh, some more mushroom hunting next week on Freedom Gardens. So. So we're gonna go hunting for mushrooms back there. Yeah. This week. Yeah. So you're gonna take your little camera and we're gonna do that. Yeah. Okay. You got it. I'm just asking because I'm like, she's, you're asking me to go off roading, <laughs> and I suck. Don't wear sandals. Anything that's not on pavement. Don't wear sandals. Okay. Okay. I, oh, I never do. Wear boots. Oh, girl, I don't have like gross boots. My boots are cute. <laughs> okay. Stop it. I'll wear my Crocs. Oh but, Jesus. <laughs> fuck. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, um, don't forget, y'all. Uh, Mick and I will be back tonight. Um, actually at 7 p.m. because it starts at 6 p.m. Central, which is 7 p.m. our time. Uh, Tammy, question about copper wire real fast. Where'd you get yours? So I I hate to say that I got the spool of copper wire off of Amazon. Um, I was able to find some at like uh, Ace Hardware. It's picture hanging wire, but it's the really thin kind. So that's what I put underneath the soil and the grid to grid it out. But then the the heavier duty copper wire, I couldn't find in the stores. I had to get it off Amazon. So, which sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, so yeah. So, um, and thank you for the cookie, which reminds me, I need to uh, release the scratching over here. So let me do that for y'all. Uh, so Mick and I will be back at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Um, I um, I think they do like an hour-long intro before they get into the movie. Um, but, you know, Mick and I can easily talk for an hour or we can watch some of that. There'll be all kinds of fun people in their live stream red carpet event before Plandemic 3 starts. So uh, 7 p.m. Eastern for the start of the Plandemic 3 live stream which we are taking directly from uh, Highwire. We've registered for it. So you guys can all watch Plandemic 3 since we like to joke that Mick inspired it since when Mickey was on here, he had no intention of doing another Plandemic movie. And then like six weeks later after Mick asked him, so when's 3 coming out? He, he started filming Plandemic 3. So um, so we, we like to say Mick was the impetus for it. So therefore we have to watch it as it's released. Uh, yeah, so we will be live streaming directly from the internet. So um, hopefully it will go well. We shall see. Um, anyway, um, and then of course tomorrow, True Spiracy, 2 p.m. Uh, we'll be watching Stu Peter's new movie, what End Times, End Days, whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, and then another one, um, uh, you know, Mother of the Apocalypse shit. Oh, there, there's a reason that y'all call me that, so... <laughs> Yeah. Fun times. Yeah. Did you see what she did to me? I used to be such a fucking hippie. I mean, I'm still a fucking hippie. Yes. I tell people that all the time. Seriously. I know. We we have our hippiest shit. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. We just, the difference is, is that. We shower regularly. Well, yeah. You know. You know. I do shower. I try to, I try to shower daily. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah. Before I get on the show. Anyway. At least. Yeah. All right, y'all. So uh, over on the pill, scratching this out. Remember, we will only be broadcasting Plandemic 3 on the Patriot Party podcast channels, not on the Red Pill uh, channel. Not It'll be on Pill, but not on Red Pills, um, as uh, 
they have uh, make you think on red pill tonight. So, uh, so just on the Patriot party podcast channels at 7 PM Eastern. Um, I believe the movie starts at eight, but it might start at seven. I don't even know at this point. Um, so yeah, so that's it. And then tomorrow for true conspiracy 2 PM. So thank you all for tuning in. Surely appreciate it. I hope you learned a bit and, uh, I will, we will see you next week. Yes. You get to pick me up next week. I do. Quick reminder, making her accountable on the show right now. This face, she can't be like, oh no, you can't oh, no. tell me. Oh yeah, no. I'll, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll come pick you up next week. All right. All right. All right, y'all. So uh, for v and Heather, thanks for watching. We'll thanks. see you next week. Bye guys.